1: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou. Joining me on the podcast this week, podcast favorite, Big V. What's going on, man?
2: Other much, man. It's nice to have some sunshine. It's been, the weather's been horrendous. And I was fearing the worst. I was like, man, winter's here. Mm-hmm. Pandemic's here. It's going to be nothing but darkness for six months. But yeah, we got some sunshine today. It's supposed to be like this the rest of the week. I was going to say, you're going to squeeze in a couple of uh, tennis sessions? Like, what's going on, man? I might, I might try to man at least go yeah. out for a couple of runs or something.
1: Bust out the, flop, the flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man! no, nah, nah, I, I know you, man. You're gonna be indoors for two hours to, in the beautiful, you know, sunshine—the very little bit that we have left of 2020 in Toronto—watching uh, United squeak out maybe a one nothing win.
2: And then, and then talk about it on Red Couch Max. Oh, I was gonna say, is with my buddy Carl and. We react to every match when it's done, get our hot takes out there Mm. and yeah, it's fun. You should check it out. If you're a footy fan, if you're a Manchester United fan, it's on wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Google, Apple, whatever, man, check it out.
1: Um, What's your hottest? Give me your hottest uh, United take right now because I don't know. It feels like the club is in free fall again, but you never really know, man. Give me your hottest take. My hottest take from Manchester United Mm. is that
2: uh, basically Pogba's time is done. Mm. I think it's just at a point where I don't see when United are consistently going to get the best out of him. And this is not to say he's not a world-class player. He absolutely is world-class. But I think at at a certain point, you just got to say that the fit's not there. And it's not going to work out. And I think he, when he moves on, he'll be a better player. And I think United, uh, when they move on from him, they'll be better for it too. I mean, I don't know if anything can happen in January, but they were able to sign, uh, you know, activate that extension clause that they had on him. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just to like make sure they get
1: as much money as possible. But yeah, I think Papa's done with United. Wow. It's actually been quite amazing that um, a guy like Pogba, who is uh, objectively like a fantastically talented player, uh, has done a lot too, won a World Cup, um, that he's essentially spoken about like how Terrence Ross was. You know, people just in and out on Terrence Ross, like constantly or like JV back in the day too. Like, I'm in on JV, (laughs) he's the future. No, he's not it. We got to use him like this. Got to maximize him this way. It's the coach's fault. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, listen to your pod, man. Listen, it's, uh, United is always interesting, man. It's it's always a very interesting uh, squad to follow and, and even hate follow, to be honest, because there's just so many United fans. Why is the entirety of Raptors Twitter United fans? Like, what's going know, man. on? That's a good question. I think yeah. that, that, should, that should be an episode
2: in itself. Yeah. Why so many Raptors fans are United fans? Because yeah, you'll see it. The timeline, all of a sudden, a bunch yeah. of Raptors people just tweeting about United. But it's beautiful.
1: I love it. Mm. Yeah, not a fan to be honest. I, I would wish there were more <laughs> Liverpool, uh, you know, Raptor fans on the timeline, but uh, I mean, your squad, is, your squad just mm-hmm. won't stop, man. Bro, we're just pulling random teenagers from the And that gets injured and it doesn't even matter. <laughs> Yo, five no against Atalanta. That what a ridiculous game! All right, um, you know, we, we can save more EPL talks towards the end. Um, <laughs> we're here we to talk, Raptors. talk about the Raptors and look, listen, man, I I'm gonna be honest. Straight up, there are no fun topics on the Raptors as of right now. Um, Maybe later on the podcast, we can get into the trade market. It seems like Sixers are going after James Harden. I don't know if the Rockets necessarily move James this year. Um, But, you know, maybe James is on the market. Uh, Drew Holiday apparently is getting openly shopped. So that's fairly interesting. I, you know, we can give our thoughts on sort of that and sort of not necessarily if the Raptors will go after them because I don't know necessarily that that's the greatest fit. But uh, how that impacts the Eastern Conference because I do believe they're both coming east from the West. But um, not a lot of fun topics. Starting with um, the Raptors situation with Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis, if you haven't been following along, uh, face is facing seven charges, uh, including two counts of assault in the third degree, one count of ch- in, endangering welfare of a child, one count criminal mischief in the fourth degree, one count aggravated harassment in the second degree one count attempted assault in the third degree, one count harassment in the second degree based on the police report. uh, You know, his, he was in um, a hotel room in Manhattan last week uh, with uh, his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend. I'm not totally sure what the relationship is there. Um, And apparently he struck her twice. Uh, You know, there was bruising in her eye. She went to the hospital um and their child was present and of course this has now become a criminal matter the raptors have released a statement quote incidents of this kind are addressed and managed by the league through the joint nba mbpa policy on domestic violence sexual assault and child abuse the toronto raptors take these issues very seriously and we will fully cooperate and support the league in its investigation of this matter as we continue to determine the appropriate next steps for our team um, this is a lot, this is a lot in uh, and, and objectively a horrible situation and something that I think runs very counter to the values that the Raptors organization had. Um, first off, actually, what do you think, what do you make of the Raptors response to this so far? It's been about a week. Nothing necessarily has been announced in terms of maybe a temporary suspension for Terrence before the, uh, um, the uh, investigation plays out and things like that. Uh, so far, What do you think of the Raptors' response to this?
2: I think the Raptors' response has been par for the course, which is disappointing.
1: Mm.
2: And I get from a legal standpoint, a corporate standpoint, there's not much that they will say. And especially with the NBA and NBPA taking charge in a situation like this, they've kept it to a minimum. But that minimum should still be condemning domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. And so for them to not do that obviously they said they take it very seriously but I I think they should have taken it that step further. And again it's it's not something that they did with Adrian Griffin's allegations either. And so uh from that standpoint it is disappointing but all again not, nothing uh beyond what I expected.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. It is part of the course. It feels Based on this statement, so they uh, address the fact that this is something that is handled by the league. There is, um, in the CBA, there is an NBA, MBPA uh, policy that has been agreed upon in terms of how to handle domestic violence, uh, sexual assault, and child abuse. Uh, this will fall under domestic violence. And um, yeah, I mean, the, so the league protocol for people who uh, have not read the CBA, which is like 100% of people in the world um, outside of Bobby Webster. And uh, Blake. And Blake Murphy, that's right. Blake Murphy, who I'm still advocating to become the 905 assistant GM uh, in the immediate future. Please hire Blake <laughs> to be assistant GM of the 905. But um, the league protocol in this case is that the, the league will conduct an investigation. Um, Adam Silver decides on the punishment. Uh, and in the meantime, he can put Davis in a temporary suspension. But given the fact that it's been a week since this has happened, I don't think that's going to happen. And also, there are no games being played. Uh, played right now. So even if you do put them on a temporary suspension, it doesn't have anything to do with salary or anything like that being affected. Uh, But regardless, uh, to give some context um, here are some of the previous suspensions that have been uh, given. So in 2014, Jeffrey Taylor was suspended 24 games on a guilty plea to one count of domestic assault. 24 games is one of the longest suspensions in NBA history. Uh, 2016, Darren Collison suspended eight games on a guilty plea of one count of misdemeanor domestic battery 2007, Ron Artest suspended seven games on guilty plea of one count of misdemeanor domestic violence. And 2017, Willie Reed suspended six games on domestic violence uh, incident, which is actually all I can find on that situation. He was then waived and uh, traded and never played again in the NBA. Um, so it, it seems to me that like the league would have to first you know investigate and find um, Davis guilty of something. Of course, this is also playing on the criminal system. And I believe Davis has a court date in December. Uh, He has entered, Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, I should mention, he has entered a plea of not guilty. Um, And yeah, I mean, you know, from this perspective, I I thought, uh, so there's one little detail in the CBA that says that if the player goes through the criminal system and is found not guilty of the charges, then the NBA cannot uh, slap any punishment on the player. Um, so it feels like the Raptors have kicked the can down to the league, which is protocol. I don't, I don't mean kick the can as in like, this is an intentional attempt. This is what the league calls for, but they have, right. The, the buck has been passed to the league. And then the league kind of passed the buck essentially to the criminal system. Um, objectively, it's horrible. Um, and it is just terrible timing too, because um, you know, this, this sim- a similar situation happened with Adrian Griffin. Now that's different. That was not a criminal Allegation that was not a criminal process. Uh, that was, I guess, purely civil. The allegations were really, really terrible um, and, you know, unforgivable. Really, if they were, they were true. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's the case is muddled because there are kids involved and the kids are, um, uh, for the most part, grown in their late teens and they've disputed the accounts. Um, so whatever. I'm still personally disappointed that the the, the Raptors didn't at least. Say with some sort of substance of how serious some of the allegations were, and sort of respond that way. Instead, mm-hmm. they mostly moved to defend Adrian. Um, you know, without actually acknowledging how serious um, some of the counts or, or some of the allegations were. But um, yeah, and with the Davis situation, this is totally different. That's the thing. That's it's criminal with Davis. It's it wasn't it was civil with Adrian. Um, and yeah, I mean, so. Here's the thing. As much as uh, the Raptors have sort of moved the buck to the league and the league has moved the buck to the criminal system, the Raptors actually still have the ultimate call here because Davis's contract is unguaranteed for the second season. Obviously, without this incident, he was for sure going to have that contract guaranteed. However, that deadline actually comes up uh, before the start of um, – it was supposed to come up before the start of free agency. I mean, everything in terms of dates got shifted with the pandemic, but essentially the Raptors have the option still to essentially get rid of Davis through not guaranteeing his contract. Considering that's one of the options, what would you do if you're in the Raptors situation? Are you, are you looking to waive him? Are you looking to trade him? Are you looking to cut him? Are you looking to keep him and maybe, I don't know, put him through some training and try to help him through some of the situations What is your call? I mean, there's no easy or right call, but uh, I want to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah, so I think this is a really interesting question because for me, for a reference point, I was looking at how does this play out in terms of a timeline? And I looked back on the Jeffrey Taylor case for that type of reference. And so for him, on September 25th, 2014, he was arrested at a hotel in East Lansing, Michigan for domestic assault, assault and malicious destruction of property. And then on November 19th, so almost two months later, the NBA announced the 24-game suspension without pay, again after he pleaded guilty. And that's a crucial difference as well, right, with Terrence Davis uh, saying that he, he's likely to plead not guilty. And, you know, he he was suspended from Sweden's national team as well for a year. He's back playing now, by the way. He plays for Real Madrid. Um, okay, and Super Terrence <laughs> yeah and and Terence Davis, his court date isn't until December eleventh mm-hmm. and so I would assume even with without that court date, the Raptors will look to you know complete an investigation and get as much information as possible before obviously the date that they have to make a decision and I think from an organizational standpoint, it's an extremely bad look for them to say black lives matter, but black women don't. Mm-hmm. And so I think at this point you have to, if 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 you can't make a, if you have to make a decision before that December 11th court date, then I would lean towards, uh, you know, just eliminating the rest of his contract.
1: Yeah. And listen, um You know, I I think there's a lot of people out there. First off, the focus should not necessarily be on um, strictly the basketball side of this. The human side is so much more, um, I don't know, it's just magnitude is more important than what the Raptors can salvage out of the situation or anything like that. Um, But I I think there is a camp of people that say, okay, um, yes, you can just let them go, but maybe the Raptors can... Keep him for the next year, maybe you can try to trade him or something like that. I don't know how much you can get even when you want to do something like that, because a his salary is so small, so you're returning someone that is making the league minimum, uh, and like the rookie league minimum. And um he has one year of control. There is not there's partial restricted rights. If you do move him, someone actually gets you. What I'm saying is you're not gonna get a lot in value, despite the fact that as just strictly as a player and as as what he showed as a rookie, Terrence Davis would be an an otherwise valuable player that other teams would like to invest in. And then you put in the fact that, you know, how many teams are willing to overlook some of these things. Now that's where the disappointing part of this comes in, because this is uh, a problem that occurs across the NBA. It occurs across, to be honest, most of sports and in the general society as a whole, people are very willing to forgive uh, abusers, especially male abusers. Um, you look across, uh, you know, some of the biggest names in sports, um, you know, and especially in the NBA, you know, you have, you know, Derrick Rose, um, you know, has played on the Bulls, and then played on the Knicks, and then played on the is on the uh, the Pistons, you know, and seems like he's going to continue playing. And um, you look rumored to j- join the Lakers. <laughs> rumored to join the Lakers, exactly right. You know the Lakers. Um, and then, yeah, you look at situations like Rodion's Kuruks, right? I mean, a guy who's not even that good. Uh, I, you know, if we remember the, the Raptors' net series, that guy was terrible outside of trying to flagrant foul people right, unnecessarily. He was awful um, as a player and as a person, even worse if you look at some of the accounts of uh, what happened there. But he's still on the team. And if the Nets are willing to keep that guy around and he is pretty much a trash as a player and as a person. It just tells you like how much um, generally speaking people in sports are willing to overlook these things. And uh, that's kind of really disappointing. And, and that's where you would expect the Raptors, um, you know, because it's one thing to hold values, but it's, it's also the, the thing about values is you need to um, value them and, and the way you show value, um and in these situations is to make small concessions i don't even think it's that big of a concession necessarily to let terrence go yes it's disappointing as from a player development standpoint you you draft this guy he, he turns out well as a rookie didn't really play well in the bubble doesn't really matter and then you just let him go Th- that that part is disappointing from a basketball perspective but i think as a raptors as a franchise like they stand for a lot of things um and you know uh, equality for women is is one of them and again like you, you can't ignore the fact that um, you know, it's just a, this is a public-facing entity as well. Um, the, the the Raptors are not uh, sports franchises are not just any random company. And you can look at it maybe on the bottom line of okay, do they bring in more revenue and then or you know do they make sense uh, for like a you know dollars and cents kind of perspective? It they're a public-facing uh, platform, and you know that reflects values uh, in terms of what they stand for. There are people that are going to choose to watch the team or not. You know, and that's very important on top of the fact that I just think morally, um, you know, whatever, when they conduct the investigation, whether the league does it, the Raptors do it. I think they should both do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the, the facts of the case are pretty clear. The, the one, his, his partner went to the hospital. There's physical evidence. Yeah. You know, that with the phone being smashed. Uh, yeah, you just you have to. Not even you have to, but I just I would expect the Raptors to make the right call here um and that should be the expectation that should be like but i mean again sports is just such a low bar it's mm-hmm. such a low bar and society as a whole is such a low bar people are very quick to uh defend because they have more invested in terrence than necessarily than terrence's partner or ex-partner or whatever the situation is um they're always willing to defend they'll throw out statements like oh you know it's guilty before or innocent before proven guilty which is yeah true in a court of law for sure but at the same time when you have all this evidence that's already out there um, and, you know, when people say that it almost comes across in terms of, you know, I'm hoping some evidence will come across that can lead me to conclude that he is innocent and that, you know, is disappointing. And of course you put together the disappointing parts of just like people um, making this about money, making this about some sort of other claim or anything like that. It's just so disingenuous. And it, again, it's just, it ignores like the, the very, very, um, I don't know. It just erodes like the moral fabric of, of the world. And I guess, and I guess of the team uh, in a more local sense, but it's, it's just, it's a horrible situation. It's absolutely horrible. And I hope the Raptors institute a no tolerance policy um, and, and sort of punish, you know, Terrence to the full degree. If, if he, if all the evidence and in the uh, investigation comes out that, you know, essentially what half said on the police report was true.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a weird one with sports organizations where the punishment or at least some level of punishment seems to be doled out if there's an offense during their tenure with that team, Mm -hmm. as opposed to if it's in their past, like we've seen with the Raptors past with the Kay Felder situation. They got rid of him immediately. James Johnson had a history, but that seemed to be okay, right? And so now because again this has happened during the raptors his tenure with the raptors i think he will have to face the repercussions for mm-hmm. it and then he's made his bed he'll have to sleep in it and make a uh maybe make a career uh from it for himself you know uh, and find a different way i think i think that's how it's going to play out mm-hmm. uh with the suspension again, you know, when I look at the Jeffrey Taylor situation, getting twenty-four games, that was back in twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's an even more different time now. So I feel like the punishment will be even even more strict, especially again if he's if he's proven
1: guilty. Yeah, and I mean, and also it depends on the whole situation. Like I I don't remember the specifics of Jeffrey Taylor's case, but the fact that that was twenty-four games as compared to like eight for Darren Collison two years later. Mm-hmm. might reflect on just sort of what specifically happened in the incident. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, this is an ongoing investigation. Um, Hopefully it gets wrapped up soon. And yeah, I mean, when it does happen, then we can maybe talk about how this affects how the Raptors operate a long-term strategy. Obviously, Terrence will, would have been here long-term had it not been for the situation. Um, But you know, consequences are consequences. And again, if you have values, then you have to act on those values and show, um, what you value them uh for so and even
2: from a basketball standpoint mm-hmm. like the raptors again were able to find a guy like terrence saves they were able to find a guy like friend van vliet they've been able yeah. to find guys so this is not <laughs> you know you you should be comfortable enough to say hey you know what we can find uh that level of talent and <laughs> as well as someone who's a better
1: human being yeah exactly exactly and um yeah I mean the Raptors by the way the Raptors also I feel like in terms of as compared to other NBA franchises and probably across other sports um, especially the major sports like they have made a real investment in uh, hiring women and um, putting them into positions of power and empowering women as well um, You, one of the fundamental things like I was watching Giants of Africa with uh, the documentary from with Masai Ujiri and you know he teaches these camps and Uh, He's there with, you know, kids who are like 10, 11 years old and, you know, he leaves these chants. And one of the things, you know, he's one of the four things he preaches um, is respecting women. And again, you you just, I mean, yeah, these are completely... uh diametric opposites in terms of how you handle the Davis situation versus the other values that you have in your organization and um, I, I will say that too that like whatever regardless of whatever happens like I, I if the Raptors are able to like try to provide some assistance to the situation whether that's sort of um, assistance to the victim assistance to the family assistance to even Davis in terms of ed- education or training anything like that and it's probably mm-hmm. not necessarily something they need to do I don't think it's like mandated by the the league or anything like that but at the same time, um, you know, I, I think, you know, as much as punishing people is important, I think also um, helping people improve and, and rehab is also important. And yes, I think that doesn't mean that there are no consequences. But, um, you know, uh, I, I still believe that if the Raptors are able to try to assist in the situation and try to make things right. But it's uh, it, it's, it's, it's all bad. It's, it's all very bad right now. Uh, it's, what's also really bad is that um, all these franchises in the States or all these cities in the States are crawling out of the woodwork to um, try to host the Raptors next year. It's very, very funny to me that teams in the States have essentially ignored the Toronto Raptors existence for a quarter of a century, but now all of a sudden every single city wants to host the Raptors. And we're talking about B-list cities. We're talking about Louisville. We're talking about Nashville, Kansas city, Tampa Bay, Newark. Um, (laughs) Not very sexy names. I'll say that much. Um, So let's start here. If the Raptors had to relocate, uh, which one of those, you know, the ones that have come forward makes the most sense to you in terms of as a potential temporary home for the Raptors next season?
2: I I think New Jersey makes the most sense playing Mm -hmm. in New York. And as you pointed out in your article about potential venues, New Jersey has already had an NBA team, the arena Is capable showed it was capable of hosting the Nets. Obviously, they didn't get the attendance that they were hoping for, but I think in right now, oh come on, they got they got Jay Z.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but that's the thing. Right now, attendance isn't really a concern, right? And yeah. so yeah. Uh, you're just looking for an arena that can uh, that that is capable, and you look at logistics being such a important part of planning for the 2020-21 season Mm -hmm. and having a team in New Jersey with two others in New York and Brooklyn, it just makes life that much easier. And Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think that's the most logical option I've, uh, I've read about the Buffalo option and it just seems like there's some hockey logistics that are going to make that difficult.
1: And you You know, what's going to be difficult when Sergeant Baca has to post uh, Instagram videos of him walking around Buffalo you don't want to see that man he's gonna be looking around for rolls on he's gonna find the cheesecake factory
2: oh man yeah that's true that's no true. offense to buffalo yeah, that's gonna to be tough Lo- lovely that's city to tough but hey man serge serge was still able to get out the t- content when he was in quarantine so i that's, I, that's I have true. i have no doubt that he'll find a way he'll oh find listen a way no matter where there's
1: gonna be no more effective place to quarantine than buffalo listen the players are I, I mean first off of we them. gotta <laughs> hope he's
2: still in toronto He's still struggling. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. We <laughs> might
1: see players uh take a field trip to Niagara Falls or something. Uh, no, I mean a Buffalo. Meet spine. up meet
2: up with Kawhi in Niagara.
1: Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> oh,
2: Kawhi. Um, but yeah, I think New Jersey is the most logical option. Obviously, Louisville got shut down real quick.
1: Like mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm.
2: Kansas City, I mean, they booed uh, like a stand for unity. So Okay. But, I, I don't know. I,
1: I, I don't know if that's the place you want to be either. So, mm. yeah, you don't want to be in a Mitch McConnell territory with that Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. I'm trying <laughs> to go there. Uh, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Look, um, you know, I, the Louisville situation you've already touched on um, that's where Brianna Taylor was shot by police and killed. And of course, none of the police were indicted for, uh, you know, her deaths. Um you know that situation apparently the raptors were already sort of they broached it i guess and the players were like no we're not going there i totally understand don't go there uh the tennessee situation i mean just put aside the fact that it's nashville as well like it's it's just so far from other things when you think when you put a team in middle america they are far from everyone else because there's not a lot of people there anyway there's not a lot people and you know it, it, you know but you put together the politics you know these are all you know kentucky tennessee missouri these are all you know firm republican states um i think that does mat- matter in this specific case not that the, the raptors will outright refuse to play in a republican state that's not going to happen but at the same time with all things being equal they're probably not going to pick one of these places kansas city you already have civil rights uh, groups are already coming out and citing the fact that there are significant Um, issues that they're battling with police brutality and they do not want uh, a city like that rewarded in this current state. And um, yeah. And again, I don't think the Raptors, if they had their choice, would want to play in Louisville, Nashville, Kansas city over a place like Newark, which um, yeah, it's New Jersey, but like, it's like literally right across um, the river from New York and Manhattan. And yeah, I think logistically it just makes the most sense. You know, if you could put three of the five Atlantic division teams in one city Uh, then for teams outside of the Raptors, you know, let's say a West coast team, the Lakers comes, you know, into town, they can stay in New York for like two weeks and play all their games against the Atlantic division, essentially without having to, um, in some cases, even board a plane. Like you could take, it's like an hour and a half drive by bus to Philadelphia from New York. So, you know, like that can almost create a mini bubble on the East coast. I think that's important. The league is trying to reduce travel. Um, and honestly, from the Raptors perspective, like it's the safest for them because they love to travel less. And also, it, you know, in terms of, you know, preserving the feel of what it felt like to play Toronto, right? A lot of these players signed up to play in Toronto. New York at least gives you a little bit of that feel. Um, you know, New York is Toronto on a much bigger scale, but you know, you're still living in an international city, really cosmopolitan city, it's still the same climate. Um, obviously it's, you know, different countries, but. At least it's not as much of a culture shock as, oh, yeah, you signed up to play in Toronto while you're going to be in Louisville next year. Uh, That doesn't make (laughs) any sense. You know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, I could see Florida being appealing only like, okay, it's warm. People can golf. Um, Right. But at the same time, Florida is still like a COVID hotbed. Mm -hmm. And that is also important when you're no longer in a bubble. And uh, yeah, so. Um, I'm still holding on hope. I don't know about you, but I'm still kind of holding on hope that the Raptors can stay in Toronto. What are your thoughts on this? Because, you know, as much as, yeah, okay. Newark might make some sense. I still think there's something to be said about home court advantage. I mean, home court
2: advantage is the ideal option, but I don't think it's realistic for a potential December 22nd start. And I don't know if this is at all possible, but, what I feel might be possible is you start out in New Jersey with the December 22nd date in mind. And they project that all-star break to be, I believe in early March. Mm-hmm. And I feel the situation may have improved by then it's possible. It might not, but that six-day break, I think that's when you can say, okay, the situation's improved, the borders opened. Maybe, you know, if they, if that's the case, then you can say, okay, we're going to play the second half of the season and the postseason in Toronto. And, you know, again, not about where you start, it's about where you finish. And so if they can finish up in Toronto, I think that's the ideal goal.
1: Yeah. Um, by the way, actually, an interesting thing that I saw um, coming across Twitter was that some... so some existing season ticket holders were actually sent a message from the Raptors and essentially they're trying to survey what it would look like and how much people would be interested in returning to into the arena to attend games. Hmm. And um, I'm just, let me just read you the little letter that they sent out. Um, you know uh, we hope you and your family are staying safe and healthy. And although we continue to face challenging times in our society, we are optimistic about progress in 2021 uh, keyword there 2021 uh that will lead to an eventual return of fans at Scotiabank arena as we think about how we welcome you back in a possible limited fan capacity we would like your feedback to help us better understand your level of interest this information will help support our decision regarding potential ticket access and enhanced safety protocols around the arena um yeah you know so essentially um you know they're 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 trying to gather some information, which actually is, makes a lot of sense to be honest, right? Yeah, you you want to take the temperature of your, um, your your ticket base. Uh, I don't know necessarily that means specifically that they're going to stay in Toronto or not, but I think they do want to stay in Toronto if if possible. And I think really the if possible thing becomes a matter of um a the border. So right now the border uh you you know it's not firmly closed, like you could do. Stuff I think there's some restrictions in terms of work or if you're visiting family or something like that, but it's still firmly closed. Like you can't just come across just because you want to see the CN Tower or whatever, right? Um yeah. But I think so. Recently, what was interesting was the the government of Canada, the federal government, purchased about 8.5 million uh, rapid tests that uh, a don't require a lab, which is great because right now I think most of the testing needs to go be shipped to a lab and then shipped backwards. Um, I think that's sort of like more on site, which is uh, great. Um, and then B, that it, it reduces the, the, the test. So it's, it's, it's rapid test. So instead of taking however long it takes right now, usually I think, you know, 24 hours turnaround when you get your result, it can be given back to you in under two hours. And if that's the case, maybe then you can replace um, your current policy of the mandated 14-day quarantine when you come in uh, with something like if you can take this test, and you're negative, then you can hop on the flight, come to Toronto, come to wherever. Um, At least to me, that makes some sense, right? I mean, I'm still not totally sure about, you know, okay, maybe there's this sort of like uh, period where maybe you don't, you're asymptomatic, and I'm not really sure how that works. Um, Right. But at the same time, that makes sense to me in terms of if you can test everyone coming in, and they all test negative, then they can come in. And I, I would say with sporting teams, it is a unique situation as compared to, just the average person because essentially sporting teams are already quarantined. Like, you know, yeah, we talk about, okay. Yeah. Players go out to clubs, whatever, white Vegas, stuff like that. But for the most part, it's an isolated party. They stay isolated even when it's normal and you know um, they go to their hotel. They, they essentially play in the arena and then they, they leave shortly thereafter. Um, don't really see the full risk to the public. Again, I, I'm not, I, I think the bottom line should be health. And you know you would need a lot of hurdles to be made, but right. Um, no, I think the rapid testing is
2: something that will make a big difference in terms and, of making these decisions.
1: That's how they're going to get fans back in too. If, if you're gonna, if somehow you're able to attend a game in the future, you're gonna probably need to have a rapid test uh, and have some sort of thing you can scan on your phone along to ticket that says you have a negative test and you paid for the game.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: And I think.
2: The other thing that has to be evaluated from a Toronto perspective is teams, again, having to go through customs. Mm. And if there is that level of exposure to the public where, you know, let's face it, teams in the States, they can be sort of secluded and get on privately without that exposure. That again, presents a different scenario as opposed to coming into Toronto and having to go through customs and being more exposed to the public. So that's another consideration that you have to factor in. Obviously okay, we need but, to get.
1: Well, let's be real. They are not waiting in the custom line that you and I are waiting in. You don't land in Pearson, go to those weird little machines, take this like absurdly long walk actually right. through the airport, then, then sign up on these machines, then hand that slip off to somebody. right? Or, you know, lie about having $10,000 on you in cash <laughs> or that I've handled livestock
2: yeah, they're not think, doing that, but how, it's how still many
1: people you think handle livestock. <laughs> uh,
2: anyway, <laughs> but I, I still feel like it's a different, you know, sort of threshold that they that the Raptors have to be able to present that it is is not an issue, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know the teams that are in the states. Mm-hmm. And so I I just feel like that's another hurdle. Where okay. again, with rapid testing, with clearance of the border. With those, once you have those as selling points, then everything sort of becomes easier. But I think without those things, mm-hmm. then all these little things become a bigger challenge. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I, I look, I could see that. So, okay, there is a precedent here is that the Blue Jays were not able to play in Toronto this year. They broke their playoff streak, uh, drought and in Buffalo, and they played two games and then left. Cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they played in Buffalo uh, in an empty arena there. Um, and then the, the Toronto FC, who I, I do not follow the MLS, but I, I just checked because I was looking them up, and apparently they are top of the table. Can you imagine that? Yeah, we have the best, had the best team. Of the table. Uh, but they play in Connecticut, Pozuelo, baby. Yeah, Pozuelo, Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Marcus Sall's boy. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, man. I, uh It's all good. I'm following the, uh, the defending, um, uh, Primary it's okay, campaigns. man. You're
2: t- you're too busy listening to Red Couch Manx.
1: Uh, I'm definitely too busy, man. Now, listen, I listen. I I love hearing about the uh the the the, the Fred uh, and Scott McTominay uh, defensive duo that ensures a, a nil nil game every time they start <laughs> together. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, um, you know, it, it, yes, there is a precedent, but again, I think those situations were made earlier. Um, thing at the time there was no rapid testing. Uh, At least advancements weren't there. We don't know as much about the virus as we did now. Uh, again, this is I'm not a doctor, uh, but you know I, I can see the situation being different, and I can see the situation being different specifically because the NHL has a way way bigger version of this problem, or not problem, but this um, you know logistical hurdle uh, because they have six Canadian teams, and that's like a quarter of the league. And those six Canadian teams also represent some of the most important teams. This will be like if the Lakers for some reason would have to relocate next year. Right. And so the federal government of Canada, you, you, you're going to need to do something about this professional sporting thing. I understand there are way more important issues in the world, um, but it's also something that, you know, again, I, if you're telling Canadians that um, all your Canadian teams are not playing in Canada next year, uh, I feel like a lot of Canadians would care about that. You know what I mean? So um, there has to be a call made there. And honestly, if they can find a way to do it safely, uh and you know, if the NBA, if if the NHL can sort of come together with some sort of proposal that can that says, look, we can do this safely, um, then why not? Because I, I do think there is an advantage to playing in Toronto. Not only um people get to sleep in their own homes, get to be closer to family, uh, but at the same time, you know, um you have your own practice courts that you can go into. The Raptors have a state-of-the-art practice court, like they literally have cameras in there that track every single shot that is taken if you go to Newark or whatever and you're practicing in a local high school, that's not the same, just not the same. Um, You know, you have all your facilities there. And again, if potentially fans are allowed in because something happens miraculously with COVID, um, then you're not all of a sudden losing all your ticket sales for the entire year because for some reason you're playing in New Jersey instead of Toronto. But I don't know, Mm -hmm. man, to be honest, we don't really have a lot of details on what's happening next season. At the end of the day, we really
2: don't know anything like if someone would have asked me right when the pandemic hit, I would have been like, yeah, I think the season's done. Mm. And then all of a sudden they came up with the idea of the bubble. Yep. And then even when the bubble came up, it's like, wow, this seems destined to fail. And then mm. it ran about as perfectly as you could hope. Yep. And yep. so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that we don't know. And I think, especially with how successfully the NBA was able to run the bubble, you got to sort of tip your hat and say, okay, they, they obviously uh, took their time to do the right research and, you got to trust them to do the same again for the 2020 season.
1: Mm. Yep. There you go. Well, um, speaking of that season, the Players Union are going to vote on two proposals. One put forth by the league, uh, or the, the, uh, which is the season starts December 22nd. You have a 72 or 70-game 70 schedule. Uh, the season ends before the start of the Olympics, which I believe is in July. Um, which is firmly confirmed that the 2021 Olympics will be um, a go in Tokyo. Uh, Or uh, there is a proposal to start on January 18th on Martin Luther King Day, and you're playing a shorter schedule, 60 games. uh, You'll overlap with the Olympics. um, And I guess the start of the NFL season, uh, you know, it seems like if the league is so desperate to recoup their money, which... Makes complete sense. They lost all their ticket sales, all their in arena revenue. And of course, you know, uh, the bubble costs a lot of money. And next year, there's been very, at best, limited um, attendance. Um, You know, it seems like they want to recoup their money. And honestly, the players, it's not like the owners are necessarily against the players in this case. I think the players also want to recoup their money if you had a guess in terms of which way the players ultimately go are they going to go with the December 22nd plan or the January 18th plan
2: i think ultimately they're going to go with the December 22nd plan mm. and you know again it's 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 ideally if they if they were if it was completely up to them i think they would be starting Jan 18th yeah. but i think because of the Commitments to stakeholders, including needing to you know play 70 plus games uh, for you know the television rights holders. I think they will agree to the December 22nd start, and uh, you know, and they'll just suck it up and deal with it. And you know that that means less money that has to go in the escrow and uh, that has to be forfeited, and it's more money for them to make. And I think it's really unfortunate with the start date because on one level, you look at the sacrifice that they made to go into the bubble and be away from their families for that period of time. Mm -hmm. And you'd like to think they at least get to spend, you know, Christmas and New Year's with their family. And now they're basically having to say yes to, okay, we're going to come back and do this and and suck it up again. So I think from that point, uh, from that standpoint, it is difficult, but money talks and it's a lot of money on the line. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I think ultimately they will go with the December 22nd start date.
1: Yeah, I I honestly think, so the biggest issue with the December 22nd start date is that the draft is so freaking late. If the draft mm-hmm. happened, like, tomorrow or, like, next Monday or something like that, it'd be fine. You would give yourself, like, three weeks to have playoff free agency. As it's currently played out right now, free agency has to come after the draft, which, again, I don't know why specifically, but okay, that's what they want to do. Draft yeah. is November 18th. You have let's give it 48 to 72 hours before you know the actual free agency period starts and then the the, the december 22nd proposal you need three second, three weeks of training camp standard wise um you usually spend about a week you sort of getting everyone back into shape uh running some sets you know drilling some fundamentals getting everyone familiarized and then you play like a preseason preseason will be shortened up every three to four games um i don't know if you can short it even more than that i think teams really do want to at least get some you know Exercise essentially, it's part of training camp, right? Um, you know, we even saw with the bubble, right? They, they wanted to keep the bubble as small and short as possible. They still played three, um, you know, uh warm up games, and mm-hmm. yeah, so you know, essentially, what you're looking at is maybe 10 days of free agency, yeah, which uh, between you know, of course, you know, people can be signed while you're in training camp and stuff like that, but at this to me, it, that that feels a little bit unfair to the free agents of this year. You're gonna have to podcast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, bro.
2: There's gonna be updates. I I can't wait, man. I I can't (laughs) wait. Nonstop.
1: Yeah. Well, it's (laughs) it's 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 you know it is what it is. To be honest, uh, you know, as with everyone in the pandemic, it's 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 probably a good thing if you're working. Um, Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it it is unfair, right? If you if you are a free agent and you know, uh, you know, you want to take your time, you know, we've seen free agency processes drag out. You know, what happens with rookie extensions, for example, right? That's supposed to be signed. The deadline for that is supposed to be one day before the start of the season. Well, then you're giving yourself necessarily a month. Uh, I mean, there. think about
2: Kawhi last year.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Taking his sweet time yeah. when all
2: these free agents are sort of waiting. Danny was just like, Kawhi, Bro. you want to make, make a decision here so I know what to do with my life? Or yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you, you can't do that in this free How agency.
1: How are you going to do that to Harris and Sanford, man? <laughs> why bro how could you um no but exactly you can't do that right i mean and and you know whatever i, I would say the majority maybe like 80 percent of free agency is done in the first few days mostly because a lot of deals are hammered out during the so-called you know non-contact period or whatever i mean please they're we, being we done have, right now yeah they're being done right now um fred's tweeting up things like double up which uh I'm not totally sure what happened but um yeah I, I also think it's gonna be december 22nd i mean look if the league is so desperate you know they're talking about okay. Um, we're, we're talking about billions in terms of losses. We're talking about, you know, players having to forego maybe 40% of their contract into an escrow. Uh, and we're talking about, okay, the league's going to be like, look, betting companies, you know, um, essentially, look, we will be the EPL next year. All right. Uh, the <laughs> Toronto Raptors will be brought to you by Bet Victor You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it, uh, we'll have hard liquor on our stuff, you know. Um, they're, they're trying everywhere. To, they're essentially digging through their couch, looking for change mm. at this point. And um, yeah, if that's the case, then I think December 22nd, you know, it's good, it's going to go through. And if that does happen, I mean, it, it is a concern. Um, but I, at the same time, the Raptors, they stopped playing like early October. So you would still have about two and, yeah, about two and a half months off, which is... So December
2: sh- 1, they would be at training camp.
1: Y- yeah. Yeah, so maybe less than two months.
2: Yeah, as opposed to, so we got to weigh it up against what the other option is, right? So Mm. December 22nd start would be a December 1 training camp. A Jan 18th start would mean a December 28th training camp. Yeah. So it's that that extra month. And then uh, again, you know, it'd be 72 games versus most likely 60 games with a Jan 18 start. So again, that's money that, the players will be foregoing as well, right? Because mm-hmm. once once you go over that seventy game threshold, once you go under that seventy game threshold, then you you lose that TV money and um, and obviously your paycheck gets hurt in terms of just your contract as well. So yeah, there's a lot for them to consider. Uh, and again, like we said, with all the stakeholder commitments, I fully expect the December twenty second announcement to come in the next couple of days.
1: Yeah, for sure um really the biggest the the one that gets screwed the most is lebron but you know it yeah it is what it is i mean look most champions have a shorter off season um than teams that didn't make the playoffs and honestly Mm -hmm. you have guys like steph curry who have been sitting out like uh, i mean in his case since last year's finals um which felt like forever ago now so um yeah i mean look there's a lot of teams involved but uh, again it, the union's bigger than just lebron even though lebron is the the most powerful you mean players. clay oh yeah clay yeah that's right I Forgot yeah, yeah. steph came back to uh to lose to kyle larry again yeah yeah it's uh it's, it's funny how that works because steph versus kyle larry in in, uh, in the bay area you know wherever it's whatever, whether it's san francisco oakland maybe palo alto <laughs> san jose you know santa clara Uh, All those places, man. I I still got Kyle Larry over over Steph in those spots. Um, In terms of the draft, so the draft is coming up. um, You know, look, I'm going to do a podcast on the draft coming up. Uh, I don't know where you are at in terms of draft expertise or anything like that. I'm definitely not a draft expertise, like, expert at all. I have a hard time even finding video on these guys, concluding anything that is worthwhile for me personally. It would be really, really difficult. I need to see them in the NBA. I need to see them develop. They're also at a very young age where a lot can change. Where are you on the draft? Do you have any sort of thoughts on the draft? Um, you know, Raptors pick 29th and 59th. Anything?
2: Um, no, I mean, honestly, I'm not I'm not too big on draft coverage and stuff like that. I've, I've seen some names floated around, but I'll be honest with you. I haven't, I haven't taken the time to like research them in depth. I, you know, uh, I'll go watch. Uh, Robles videos and, yep. and just, you know,
1: make my cliff notes based on that. No, exactly. No, that's, that's it. Honestly, the draft is, um, the draft is like, a, I don't know, grade 12 homework. You're just like copying off each other's stuff essentially.
2: Yeah. But w- so what, what would you say is the Raptors most important need just positionally
1: um, or do well, you I think mean, that not,
2: late you just take the best player available?
1: I mean, okay. So positionally, all things being equal you probably prefer a big Mm -hmm. um you just have no real centers in the pipeline maybe the one Hernandez who knows he didn't really play last year and he's kind of small um so you know
2: uh Juan's in a tough spot if you think about if there's no G League season this year yeah. yeah he's in
1: a tough spot developmentally yep yep I agree um but, yeah, you know, like, if you know, uh, if all things being equal, but I don't think they'll draft based on position. They really have rarely done that. Um, you know, and then in terms of actual need, I mean, I would prefer someone who can score a little bit. I'm not, you're not going to find, like, you know, an all-star scorer at the 29th pick. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. I mean, uh, to be honest, actually, I wouldn't put it past this front office to do that. They, they did find Pascal who scores, what, 24 a game with the, the 27th pick, so – i don't know maybe actually you know i'll just retract that actually they'll probably find like the best player of this draft in the 29 yeah um but it's 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 an interesting draft so um you know the raptors have offered uh their head of global uh scouting um patrick engelbright to speak to the media recently dan tolsman who is heavily involved in the draft assistant gm he's been speaking to the media recently um you know uh both of them kind of share the opinion that look it's kind of a flat draft uh maybe it's not like the top end like you know, this is not 2003 with LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Melo and Chris Bosh. It's very uh, steady t- throughout. Yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. it's even, right? So it, this would make sense in a draft to me if the Raptors traded into the draft and got another pick um, somehow, whether that they, they trade for it, whether they buy it. Um, and there's a couple of teams that I've kind of looked at in terms of the draft order. So Boston has four picks. They have the 14th pick, the 26th pick, the 30th pick, and the 47th pick. Um, I don't think they'll add four rookies to their Team next year, so I could see Boston making a move to get rid of one of those picks. Uh, Sacramento has the 12th pick, the 35th pick, 43rd pick, 52nd pick. I could see it's one of those picks being moved, not multiple of those picks being moved. Uh, and then Philadelphia has the 21st pick, the 34th pick, the 36th pick, the 49th pick, the 59th pick, the uh, 58th pick. And Daryl Morey is allergic to drafting players, and he loves trading them uh, his his picks. So you know I could see Philly moving some of those picks as well. And especially the, the, you know, the the early second round picks, the late first round picks, those contracts are guaranteed, which unfortunately means that they have less value. Mm -hmm. You know, the 30, 35, 34, 36. uh, Those are some of the ones I just mentioned. Those are the ones that could be really valuable, especially if you like a guy. So I could see a lot of movement in this draft. Uh, But again, I have no idea who they're going to pick, who they're going to take. I mean, I I like Kareem Mane because he sounds like he'd be a great signing in the EPL. (laughs) <laughs> Just, like not knowing anything else if you sign someone named Kareem Mane that's a guy who is destined to succeed in football for sure yeah he's definitely uh, start startup at Southampton uh, and work way
2: oh, up definitely <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but so. yeah uh, I feel like one thing maybe the Raptors have to weigh up again with potentially not having a G League season is who is the most NBA ready guy.
1: Yeah. And the Raptors want- They generally like seniors. They have picked on yeah. a lot of seniors. So Pas- Pascal had three years in college, Fred, obviously four years, Norm, four years. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. And so I feel like the last thing you want to do is draft someone who isn't ready to be, you know, fighting for a rotation spot. And then is just basically just sitting at the end of the bench for the entire year not being able to play anywhere else you know what i mean yeah. and so i think that's where the investment into an additional second round pick might get interesting where it's like hey is it worth making the investment if he's not going to be on the court
1: right um i could also see the raptors being active in the undrafted market they've done so every single year now Yep. so that could be interesting um and then, yeah, I mean, really, uh, you know, one of the questions in the back of my mind. are: like, We got We
2: got to get that one exhibit 10 piece from Blake every year.
1: Oh, listen, if we don't get a 10,000 word essay on Brady Heslip or Drew Crawford um, from Blake Murphy of the athletic, then why are you paying, you know, uh, your athletic subscription fee? We need that. All right. Masai, please come through. Deliver. All right. Give us another. Um, who is the guy? Oh, Sagaba Kanate, who they signed last year. We yeah. we need the future. We we need the future. Um, <laughs> my my only question otherwise is just like you know, can we please get the contracts with Bobby and Masai? Like what? Like uh, you know, there was Brian Windhorst had went on the radio and said Bobby already got his contract done. Masai then said, you know, it's close. So I'm not right. totally sure where to land on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would feel a lot better if we can get these guys uh, locked in because. They just deserve it, you know, and it's, you know, they've had plenty of time. You're just chilling at home, you know, Um, maybe hop hop on a Zoom call and figure that out. I don't know. Yeah. So I guess one question I do have
2: for you based on that is, so we saw in Mark Stein's latest newsletter that Daryl Morey got somewhere in the neighborhood of five years, 60 million. (laughs) Okay. And so I was just wondering if that is Daryl Morey's price, mm-hmm. where would you put Masai's price?
1: Uh, well, I mean, first off, it, it's a very small market. So I don't know if all the prices necessarily relate to each other the way like players would or anything else. Like right. the market's a little selective with 30 jobs. But um, yeah, I would set the bar at that. I was, I was, you know, I think Masai has accomplished more than Daryl has. Daryl is yeah. a pretty accomplished GM as well. Um, I love how. No, I think that's a fair statement. Masai love, has accomplished more. Yeah, uh, you know, I love how you know Daryl Morey just blindly trades for every single superstar available without regard of anything in terms of fit. Um, <laughs> you know, that's cool. Yeah, I love, it, it love is that. hilarious. Yeah, he is definitely the 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 guy in your fantasy team that makes the most moves at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, shout out to our fantasy league. Uh, truncated, but I, I believe I came in fourth. I think you came in second, first. Where were you?
2: I didn't win. I, th- I think I was second, maybe second. third. Right. But, you had a
1: good team. You had, you, had, you had Doncic and Pascal and some other guys.
2: Yeah, it was a good year. It was yeah. a good
1: year for sure. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, in terms of, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, you know, that just set the market. And honestly, that might be one of the advantages of waiting. I don't know if Masai knew some, you know, what what Darryl was going to do and stuff like that. But now that the market is set, that does help you in your negotiations, as it would with any other job. You know what I mean? Like this guy's making this, so I need to get this plus this because I've done this plus this. Um, but yeah, look, man, just pay these guys, all right? Listen, I I know that Rogers has not necessarily taken a hit during this pandemic. I'm pretty sure people are still using phones and the internet, maybe more than ever, mm-hmm. you know. And um, that's the bottom you know. line. You got to pay Bobby. You got to pay Masai. That's exactly. the bottom line. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't don't ruin a good thing. All right. Last thing we're gonna talk about quickly before uh, United, uh, you know, play is it is it is it at Old Trafford or is it at a. Uh, no Istanbul. it's it's in Istanbul okay all right well I, I know you're dying to watch that one um okay six so, <laughs> Sixers are going after James Harden do you think James Harden gets moved this year I don't think so hmm. I don't think so they got to give it one more run right like you just got a new coach like what do you do? yeah
2: yeah I, th- I think they'll give Silas the opportunity to work with James Harden because he has a track record, right? Like he has a great relationship with Steph Curry. He has a great relationship with LeBron James. You saw the way like Nuka Doncic even tweeted about him when, when he, when he got hired. So obviously he's got a really good good reputation when it comes to working with that elite level talent. So I think you got to at least give Silas the opportunity to work with James Harden. And so I think they'll give it another season, and and then yeah sort of move on from there i mean who knows there could be a situation where come the trade deadline it's just you know completely uh gone off the rails and james harden's like all right i'm out of here kind of thing Mm -hmm. but unless it comes to that you don't give up that type of talent yeah i
1: agree you got to run it back one more year um And I think you could probably still get the same amount for him next year as you could this year. Um, Exactly. He's he's, he's been so durable. That too, yeah. He doesn't get hurt because he doesn't play – well, he plays a little bit of defense now. but In the post. That's it. I I love that guys who can play defense in the post, um, I'm not saying it's the least skilled version of defense, (laughs) but it definitely requires the least effort. Like if I'm playing uh, pickup basketball, I'm probably guarding the post. Because I don't want to like shift around and like actually have to guard guys, I'm just gonna stand there, be strong, <laughs> just hold my spot. hey man.
2: Harden, Harden's put in plenty of work having people on his lap. Oh, oh,
1: oh, wow. <laughs> well, that does explain it, then that, that does explain very, very much why he's so good at guarding the post. Um, all right, the, the one the other name that's actually on the market, Pelicans, uh, are openly shopping Drew Holiday. Uh, it's apparently official now I guess Shams is tweeting it Um, I don't think the Raptors get Drew because uh, if you people are already not happy with two point guard lineups so I don't know three is the way to go even though Drew is bigger than a point guard normally is and is very good defensively don't think that makes a lot of sense Um, but I could see Drew Holiday landing in the Eastern Conference. I'm looking at the Bucks and the Nets as very, very likely destinations that will be linked to Drew. Um, where do you think Drew is going to end up, and do you think that somehow affects, you know, how the Raptors are competing next year?
2: Yeah, I mean, if he goes to either of those teams, for sure, it affects the Raptors' ability to compete. I think Drew Holiday is, you know, maybe not that A1 elite-level point guard, but uh, he's right behind it. Defensively, he's right there for sure. Mm. Um, but I think that lends to fitting in maybe with the Nets better. Yep, I agree. And, and I think that would be really lethal when you think about the pieces that the Nets could put together for a potential deal to get Giroud. I think in a realistic scenario, they'd probably prefer to get rid of Dinwiddie instead of Levert. Now, yeah, I I don't know how much interest the Pelicans would have in Dinwiddie. You don't think they're buying Dinwiddie coin? (laughs) Come on, man. No, because again, with Zion, you're trying to surround him with as much shooting as possible, right? And Mm. Especially
1: with the way Stan Van Gundy likes to coach.
2: I don't know that Dinwiddie is the best fit. Like, I I could see.
1: At the same time, I don't think Karis Levert's the best fit. Like, we saw in the playoffs, he's not really a shooter. If I'm the Nets... And he needs the ball. If I'm the Nets, I'm giving up either one for
2: Drew. Oh yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. W- 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 if I'm the Nets, whoever you want, you can get right. Mm, yeah. My preference, I think, is to keep Lavert. But uh, if 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 the Pelicans want uh, Lavert, then I think that's what you have to be willing to give up. I think those they they have the pieces to put together to get mm-hmm. that trade done. I think if I'm the Pelicans and I'm looking at the Bucks pieces. I'm not enticed by Eric Bledsoe being on that team. I'm not, you know. So uh, would the, would the Bucks really give up Chris Middleton? I don't know if that necessarily makes yeah. them that much better.
1: That's got to be like an Eric Bledsoe like plus. That Pace. that might, yeah.
2: Exactly right. And so why why are so now why are the Pelicans doing that? So I think the Nets probably have the best offer to make among those elite teams. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think potentially you could maybe look at Atlanta making an interesting offer. Cause hmm. if I look at drew holiday, that's the type of guard that can play next to Trey young. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause defensively uh, you need someone as capable as drew. And so, and then offensively, he can take some of the pressure off as well in terms of the playmaking and some of the scoring. So Atlanta, I think, again, they have so many young pieces to put together that would fit with the
1: Pelicans timeline
2: Mm -hmm. where I think you can make an intriguing deal
1: happen. Yeah. I mean, Drew fits on a lot of teams, man. Plays defense, you know, uh, can play on or off the ball. Not as good of a shooter as you want necessarily, but it's not necessarily going to be disrespected. Um, Yeah. He fit a lot of teams and he's in the right age. He can contribute. Uh, We'll see where he goes. Hopefully it's not to one of the contenders. Loki, I feel like Boston should be kind of getting in on him. If you could kind of replace Kemba with Drew, because mm. Kemba is nice, for sure. But in the playoffs, he turns into a little bit of that Lou Williams problem. He <laughs> has small people picking on him, and then he can't really get a great shot. Um, you know, Miami was able to expose it. We weren't yeah, able
2: to expose it enough.
1: It, we weren't, and uh, that's that's regrettable. Um, but the Raptors did make a point to attack him. You know what I mean? And, yeah, no question. You know, if you replaced him with Drew Holiday, yeah, you're not getting as many step-over or crossover Travel into a mid range pull up, which he made like 150% of those. I don't understand that at all. Uh, But, you know, um, but you do have a a team suddenly with the best perimeter defense. I mean, you know, Raptors are in there too. But I mean, Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart, uh, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum as your one through four defensively is nasty. Now, of course, they still have a big glaring hole at center. uh, But, you know, at least people aren't going to pick on Kemba as much. So, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting, man. It's gonna be a busy off season. I, I really do think so. There's gonna be a lot of trades. I think, especially starting with the draft. I, I feel like if you're gonna acquire Drew, the draft makes a lot of sense in terms of the time to trade. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. But um, Big V, uh, appreciate you coming on. I'm sure whatever the Raptors do and where they um, decide, you'll be covering them and um yep. read everything there. Uh, listen to your uh, United Pod. You got a prediction for today's game, man? Come on. Give us uh, three minutes before tip. Yeah, United's yeah.
2: going to win. Yeah? It's so a 2-0 win. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you, you heard it here first. Bounce- hey, man. Solskjaer seems to be like he, – he seems like a cup coach, right? Last year, United reached three semis. Mm. And then, okay, yeah, he had a good run to finish the league. But he seems like more of like a cup match manager than a league manager.
1: Well, there you go. I mean, look, uh, you know, you guys have plenty of talent. It's just finding everything to, to fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's always fun to follow United, man. It feels like every single position is, is aside from maybe Marcus Rashford, uh, I don't know who's going to be in the squad week in and week out, which is uh, kind of interesting. I don't know.
2: Hey, man. Basically, Woodward is uh, the EPL's Daryl Moore. He just throws the talent <laughs> together. Whatever yo, but seriously, after that's, that. that's, that's
1: what daryl does It's like oh yeah westbrook yeah come play with hard you guys both won mvps and it's like this makes no sense <laughs> you know what i mean oh dwight howard come in all right no he doesn't want to play pick and roll it's like maybe you should have talked to dwight about like yo do you want to play pick and roll with, with james Harden? and he's like no and he's like all right maybe i should trade for him i don't know but <laughs> i don't know man so
2: um but yeah man thanks for having me on appreciate it like you guys. said you can find my stuff complex raptors republic The Usual Suspects. You can follow me on Twitter, Vivek, I'm Jacob. And you can listen to the United Podcast, Red Couch Manx, available wherever you get your
1: podcasts. There you go. Um, Thanks everyone for listening and I'll be back next week.